We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back to another episode of the pack a day podcast you can get all your pack a day updates by following us on twitter at pack a day podcast and remember you can always subscribe to the podcast on itunes google play TuneIn, stitcher or spotify and of course you can check us out over at cheeseheadtv.com I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Andrew Mertig. It's a Friday show. We're excited to be back. How is it going, Andrew? Yeah, really great. It's uh, episode 1,129, and if we keep with the spirit of that uh, theme in the podcast, 29, not a lot of Packers legends to choose from there, Kyle. So we got Casey Hayward, right? Uh, we got one of my, my favorite UDFAs of all time, Kentrell Bryce. That one didn't work out so well for me. Uh, and uh, Kadar Holman, who uh, is now a former Packer, on to the Texans. So good luck, Kadar. But uh, nobody cares about what I'm rambling about. Uh, we got a very special guest today. Yes, we are super excited to have the Joe Marino from the Draft Network joining us today on the show. Uh, you might know him from the Draft Dudes podcast as well, or even Locked on Bills. Uh, but Joe is an NFL draft analyst, a great evaluator of college football talent, and he produces tons of quality content year-round covering both the NFL and college football. And I'm pretty sure that this is Joe's third appearance now on the Packaday podcast. And so we're ex pretty excited to have you back, Joe. Uh, we want to talk some Packers. We want to talk a little bit about the NFL draft because Andrew and I can't help ourselves. And then, of course, uh, the Green Bay Packers and the Buffalo Bills do square off in this weekend's third preseason game. So uh, we'll talk some Buffalo Bills as well to get ready for that one. But, uh, Joe, it's great to have you back. Welcome to the Packaday podcast for the third time. Thanks for having me. And I got to be honest, while uh, Andrew was talking about the Packers with the number 29, I, of course, tried to see who the current number 29 is, and there isn't one. And so the whole time I was planning on saying something about whoever wore 29, but, uh, you know, that's a vacant <laughs> number. So we'll we'll see. Maybe uh, when the roster cuts happen and they bring in potentially another player, he'll put on 29 and we can reminisce on him. Are you familiar with Kabian and Joe? No. 
He's an undrafted free agent corner, and he's been tearing up camp. But he's wearing Andrew. What is he wearing? Is he wearing forty eight as mm, a corner? Forty eight. Cannot 48. have a successful career no. <laughs> at corner wearing forty eight. I would advise him to switch to twenty nine. It could change the entire trajectory of his career. Exactly. So that's what fans are angling for. That's what yeah. we're hoping for right now. KB Nento is a wide receiver at Colorado. Switched to corner in the NFL. They gave him a horrible jersey number. Uh, I don't. He, the last Packer I remember wearing forty eight was Joe Thomas, and he looks like Joe Thomas out there. So, got to got to do better than that. Exactly. But uh, I was just gonna say before we get into the questions, we, we've had Joe on several times. I actually think this is appearance number four, Kyle. Okay, I'm uh, sorry. We'll have I can't to check count. the archives yeah. on that one, but uh, I mean, regardless, whatever. I, every time you've been on Joe, I've sung the praises of the Draft Network, and it it. To me, it brings together all of the best things about the NFL draft and really has just compiled them into what I would consider a perfectly executed platform. Like I was the kid who used to cut out mock drafts from the newspaper or, you know, if I could scrape together enough loose change to buy a draft guide, that was pretty cool. But I couldn't have ever believed that something would be put together that's like as fan centric as TDN is. And so I would just really urge the folks that are listening. If you're a draft Nick, like Kyle and myself are, you have to treat yourself to the premium membership. It's 30 bucks for the year. It gets you all of those premium draft profiles. Like that was such a huge asset leading up to this year's draft. You get the best mock draft simulator in the world. In my opinion, you get uh, all the extra amazing articles that are in the, the, you know, premium from some of the best in the business. There's the Slack channel, which I guess is kind of a mix of like really passionate slash craziest football fans. <laughs> um, I think I subscribed on like day two when you released and uh, there has not been a second I've regretted it. So um, just like kudos for that. We, we've talked about it before with Ben Solak, with Jordan Reed when we've had them on. But just like a huge thank you to all of those of us in the draft community for putting together such a cool tool. Too kind. And, and um you know, I appreciate you saying that. I didn't ask you to say anything like that, so it's, it means a lot that you would would take the time to to lead off our conversation with that. And you know, we just celebrated our third birthday at the Draft Network, and we're really excited about what we've been able to get done, and probably more excited about what about what's coming. So stay tuned for a lot of exciting updates to the website and features and stuff like that. So I appreciate what you said there, and can't wait to keep delivering and build upon what we've uh, accomplished to this point. Yeah, and it's always cool how you're adding new stuff. And yeah, we, we don't have you on just to promote your stuff, but <laughs> I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention it because like literally I'm I'm looking at my browser right now and TDN is bookmarked like on the top <laughs> row. It's not even in a folder. That's, that's how uh, often I go to that resource. And then one other thing, I don't think we've ever mentioned the draft dude specifically other than you're on it. And, and I just wanted to say like, I listen to Pack-A-Day to get my Packers fixed. But then I listen to the draft dudes with you and Kyle Krabs because I, to me, that's my favorite like league-wide source of information. Um, you know, and it's not just draft stuff, right? Like you have a really cool way of talking about roster building, about college football, about free. I mean, just just all of the stuff that Kyle and I nerd out about. But instead of us just focusing on Packers stuff, it's from from that NFL-wide standpoint and, and college football stuff too. Um, it's it's just really great. So. Um, that's probably blowing enough smoke for you today. <laughs> well, let's see if I can disappoint you with some of my Packers takes here. But no, I, yeah, I appreciate go, that so much, Andrew. Just, just kill their whole draft now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, okay, so I, 
we have to ask everybody that we have on the show that's not a Packers fan. The biggest storyline of the offseason, of course, for the Packers, and probably for the NFL in general, is Aaron Rodgers. And any thoughts on the Rodgers situation in general? And then, you know, maybe if you want to mix in a little bit of thoughts about what you saw as a prospect in Jordan Love coming out of Utah State. And do you think he could be the heir apparent? Like, does he, did he have those qualities in what you saw out of Utah State? Yeah, I think I've been incredibly annoyed with the Aaron Rodgers situation. <laughs> you know, and I'm not even in it. I, I'm I don't I don't feel the weight of Aaron Rodgers not being on my favorite team. Like I I don't live that, but it's been annoying to to follow from you know the outside looking in and just not knowing. And you know I I think it's uh, something that I don't know. I I kind of like the idea of just knowing where he was going to play and um the idea of him going to the AFC was not something that appealed to me at all. So there's a part of me that was very, very selfishly wanting him to remain in the NFC. And I think the NFC needs Aaron Rodgers to be in it or else you're talking about uh, just handing the uh, NFC championship to to Tampa Bay, right? (laughs) Without, without Rodgers and and green Bay in my mind. So I was happy to see it settled. Uh, I was annoyed following it. And I think, and I'll be, I'll just be completely candid and honest with you guys. The Packers fans have typically been some of my most favorite interactions, really good football minds and kind people. But I think when you stack the disappointment of losing the NFC championship game with the uncertainty of the Aaron Rodgers situation, Packers fans weren't that great to interact with over the last six months or so, you know, it's, it's been a little bit dicey. So I'm glad to see that that's resolved for now. And um, Packers fans are happy and it's a lot more enjoyable. Now you asked the question about Jordan love and, my thoughts about him is a franchise quarterback in the NFL. And I think the best way I can answer that question is by simply giving you my summary of him as a player. Uh, whenever I wrote up the scouting report, studied him at Utah state. And I wrote five sentences in my summary. And if I can offer them to you right now, I think it's just the best way to encapsulate what I think about him. So this is what I said. Jordan love isn't without his warts, but he possesses a high level physical skill set and peaks on tape that reveal the ceiling of a potential dynamic NFL starting quarterback. His arm talent and mobility is perfect for the trends of today's NFL, and there are no limitations to what he can do on the field. The full playbook is open for love and then some. With that said, he does need to make notable strides in several key areas, including decision-making, timing, and accuracy to achieve his ceiling. An early investment in love is a bet on yourself to be able to develop his overall game, but his upside is worth the calculated risk. And so I, I really appreciate what the Packers had in mind for Jordan Love. I know that Aaron Rodgers didn't necessarily appreciate it, but for the idea of kind of going to a situation where it's it's firm foundation, right? Like we all feel good about the Packers as a football team and their ability to, ve- to develop talent and compete on a year-in, yearly basis. But going into a situation where there wasn't pressure to play right away, I thought was always going to be best for Jordan Love. And I... I hate that he's banged up right now because I think this is just such a critical time for him to get some reps and play in preseason games. And by the time they have to commit to him as their starting quarterback, we hadn't seen the guy play, you know? And so I think that's what makes it challenging. But from a physical skill perspective, you have to like what Jordan Love gives you. And he does have stuff to clean up, but I just don't know that we know where he's at right now. And I think that's what makes it frustrating when it comes to Jordan Love and the prospects of him taking over a championship caliber team. 
Yeah, it's going to be really fun to watch that develop. Obviously, we have Rodgers back, and that has been settled. I think the you mentioned like the emotional toll that this took on really oh, the NFL community, um, and obviously Packers fans as well. But the swing was, I mean, there were people in in both corners. There were people just saying they're going to leave the Packers uh, as as fans <laughs> yeah. if if Rodgers leaves. There's people saying, "Give us the love era. We're done with all the drama." So, it's been all over the map and I mean, the Jordan Love thing is really fun. I think there's a lot of especially people in the draft community who follow that and want to see uh the development and those kinds of things that are ready to jump in and uh, we just got a little bit of a taste with the first preseason game and then, of course, the shoulder injury playing in uh, to that. Now we may may or may not get to see Jordan uh, this coming weekend against the Bills. So we've seen a little bit, but like you said, I mean, pandemic year at all, it's just kind of been a delayed development for him. But it's it's been fun. It will be fun. And it'll just be a story that continues really to drag on throughout the season and into 2022, honestly. But uh, Joe, we're several months removed from the 2021 draft now, but we are just now starting to see some of those draft picks get onto the field. And we knew going into this that the Packers were going to be heavily interested in the cornerback position in this draft. They had done their homework on just about all of these guys, really, it felt like. But uh, they ended up taking Eric Stokes, the track speed corner out of Georgia, uh, with their selection at 29 overall. And so we just wanted to ask you, what were your thoughts on Eric Stokes, and how did you feel about the match with the Packers uh, for him? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Eric Stokes. He was the uh, number 33 player on my board I love his experience coming from the SEC, playing for Kirby Smart in a in that Georgia defense. I think there's a lot of translatable coverage concepts that he'll be asked to run in Green Bay, and I think that'll be a seamless transition for him. And obviously, he's experienced going up against the best receivers college football has to offer. And so from that perspective, I really like it. Um, I think he's a physical player. He's competitive. He has ball skills. Watch the two Tennessee games over for the last two years. You'll you'll see the best of Eric Stokes. And um, uh, obviously the speed is something we have to talk about with Stokes. And and I remember I was actually at the House of Athlete Combine in Miami. And so was Eric Stokes. And so was Amari Rogers, who we'll get to uh, eventually. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in like the bleachers watching the 40-yard dashes. And, of course, I'm timing them for myself, just trying to, you know, just get a feel for, you know, my ability to time 40-yard dashes because they were all electronic timed. Right. So there, so you, you had the electronic times and I'm like, all right, I want to see what the truth is here, you know, cause everyone talks about hand times, electronic times. Right. And so Stokes runs his 40 and it was probably the most perfect 40 yard dash I've ever seen in terms of a technique perspective. Just a guy who was prepared for the moment, knew how to run a 40 yard dash, knew how to start, like just the, the way you're supposed to rise up and get to your full stride to finish. Everything was textbook. And so I, I'm sitting here. He wasn't the first guy through. I'd timed several forties to that point. So Stokes gets on the line and, and I, you know, I, I time him and I look down and it was the first time I was like, Oh man, did I mess this up? Did I, <laughs> did I have a slow start? Because that's in the four twos. And uh, Kyle Krabs was right next to me and he timed him in the four twos. And then there was a guy next to us who we hadn't spoken to. We're like, I didn't know who he was. And, and, uh, we all kind of just like had our watches and we're looking at each other and we showed each other the times and we all were with, within like a hundredth of, e- of each other, like mid, mid four twos. The guy next to us was his agent. 
And you want to talk about a man that lost his mind <laughs> seeing his guy go out there and run in the four twos. He knew right then and there, right? Like uh, if no you're way. a four two, you played corner at Georgia, you're going high. And he winds up going in the first round. It was a cool moment just to kind of celebrate that with him and uh, uh, just see from myself what a four two something 40 yard dash looks like. And so that's not it with Stokes. He's a good football player. And I, and I really appreciate that he does give you that ability to take away the football. I think that's something that separates these cornerbacks. When you talk about the best in the NFL, I always appreciate the ones that are really good in coverage, but they also can give your offense back to football. And I think Stokes has those ball skills that you're looking for. I think corner was obviously a need for uh, for Green Bay. I don't think you really wanted to be you know, boxed into Kevin King again to be the starter opposite of Jair Alexander. And so I think it was a good pick. Yeah, and so obviously the Packers go defense in the first round, and the fans were super happy on Twitter about that, especially with the Aaron Rodgers news being leaked. Uh, but they did bounce back, and then day two of the draft was was all offense. They got Josh Myers, uh, the center, and also Amari Rodgers, as you alluded to. Uh, do you think those two players are going to be ready for meaningful snaps day one? I think they can. Um, I, I, as far as Josh Myers goes, he wasn't a player that I thought would be a, a you know a guy that needed a ton of time to acclimate to the NFL. An experienced player at Ohio State, I had him ranked 74th on my board. Uh, watched him play for two seasons, really, and, and thought he had the makeup of an NFL starter. I think he's an absolute perfect fit for Green Bay, uh, especially if they want to run some inside zone, which is exactly where he excels and. Uh, you think about Trey Sermon and how good he looked at Ohio State running behind Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis on the interior of that offensive line, specifically with inside zone. Uh, good pass protector. It gives you the versatility to play center and guard. I think they'll probably play him at center. And so I think he he was a guy that if you're going to say goodbye to Corey Lindsley, you know, you have to replace him. And I thought this was a good value selection. Uh, for them and, and a guy that I think can really come in and, and be their center for a long time. As far as Amari Rogers goes, uh, 95 on my board. I think he's a really good weapon. I, I think as a starting slot receiver in the NFL, he's got that type of upside, gives you value as a punt returner. And he's fun because he's built like a running back. I'm sure you guys have kind of seen that already. You think he's a running back. If you put 25 on him, you'd think he was a running back, but he runs good routes and catches the ball. And I love that idea of kind of giving him manufactured touches and isolating him with with option routes and letting him go to work because he's tough to tackle, right? Like he's dense and the way he's built has a low center of gravity. You know, he's he's a challenging guy to bring down in space and not just because he's a good athlete, because he's physical and it has that that contact balance that you that you like in a running back, but he plays receiver. And so um one of the things about Amari Rogers, uh watching him for a long time at Clemson and just seeing how he was used in a lot of like just quick outs, just get the ball to him quick. I, I wondered what type of uh, 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 an impact he could make down the field, right? Like that's something that I was interested in and seeing is, is can he become more of a weapon to all levels of the field? And you know, I mentioned I was at the, the House of Athlete Combine and, and Amari Rogers was there. And watching him practice, you could tell there was a big emphasis on on the vertical routes, getting down the field, catching the ball down the field, being able to adjust to the football. And while we didn't really see him do it that much at Clemson, you wouldn't have guessed that based on watching him at that combine because he looked really good working down the field and catching the football. And I think that exposure to him really helped shape my overall perspective 
for a guy like Amari Rogers because I got a greater appreciation for the totality and completeness of his skill set. Because one thing that we have a tendency to do as I guess evaluators or you know just people who love football is you think about what guys did in college and you have a tendency to discriminate against them because of things that they weren't asked to do, but you just assume that they can't do them. And that's not fair, right? Like you, it's not fair to criticize a player for not being able to do something that he wasn't asked to do. And so I think you can box yourself in a little bit with Rogers if you buy into that, but that exposure at the HOA combine really gave me a lot of hope that he can be a down the field guy. And so I'm a little nervous that Randall Cobb probably eats into his ability to produce in year one. And with Rodgers in the mix, I kind of thought that that was an unnecessary move. Obviously for Aaron Rodgers, it wasn't. But I thought I was when they first got him, I said, oh, man, this is going to be a really fun weapon for Aaron Rodgers. And then when they traded for Randall Cobb from an Amari Rodgers perspective, it kind of tossed a wet blanket on it. But uh, I do. I'm very optimistic about Rodgers being a meaningful you know, top two, top three type weapon for the offense in time. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Packers did trade up for Amari Rogers and Brian Gutekinds was asked, like, did you feel like you gave up too much? Because they did give up maybe a little bit more value than, like, I guess you would look in a trade chart to do it. And he said it was really important that we acquired that particular player. And you think about, you know, they knew that they were missing maybe that player who could help them um, in the short game and and a true slot weapon and those kinds of things. Um, And so it feels like Brian Gutekinds may have felt like, 
we didn't need Randall Cobb because we got the new younger version of, of yeah, Randall Cobb. I certainly Cobb. felt that way. <laughs> but, and I, I think that there's some redundancy there. And Brian Gutekind yeah. all but said, like, the reason Randall Cobb is in Green Bay is because of Aaron Rodgers and not because it was in the it was in the plans. But he's a good player. You know, we're glad it, glad he's here and those kinds of things. But with you, would love to see a little bit more of Rodgers on the field. Uh, but he's sporting a really crisp number eight for us this year. So that's yeah, going to be really digit. fun. Nice. Obviously a big win. He's leaps and bounds ahead of Kavian and so with number 48, as we've mentioned. <laughs> um, but a lot of people do tune out for day three of the draft, Joe. It, it makes some sense in a lot of ways. A lot of names are called that people are unfamiliar with, even for people who may follow the draft pretty closely. So day three comes around, people tune out. But it's where you build the depth of your roster there on day three. It's what allows you to continue um, when you're hit with injuries and those kinds of things throughout the season. So, Joe, when you look at the names that the Packers selected on day three of this draft, who is someone that you expect will make an impact for this Packers team, whether that's now or in the future, based on what you saw in their college tape? Yeah, I'm going to give you two that I really like. Uh, First one being Tadaro Slayton, defensive tackle from Florida. Um, He didn't have a very complete resume at Florida, but my goodness, this guy has size and power. And in flashes, you saw a disruptive guy and not just a guy that I think is this big bodied space eating, you know, run stopper. I don't think he's that limited. I think he can push the pocket and create some, some impact as an interior pass rusher. And I think his best football is ahead of him. And so, I mean, not to be cliche, but he's absolutely a dancing bear and he has the type of skill set that is everything you're looking for in a day three player to develop and see if you can maximize and turning in, turn into a meaningful rotational player for the defensive line. And I think to Daryl Slayton can absolutely be that for the Packers defense. The other is Isaiah McDuffie. And I don't know what's been happening with him in terms of training camp. Uh, but I, you know, I, I, I really at the draft network, I really emphasize the ACC I'm the regional scout for the ACC. And so I watch a ton of McDuffie at Boston college and um, I won't sit here and tell you that he's the most technically refined linebacker or that he always reads his keys, you know, like he should and responds correctly. But I can promise you that he's fast and physical and, and he loves contact. And if nothing else, you feel great about what he can offer on special teams. And when you're talking about six round picks, getting a core special teamer matters. And I think he can be that. But if he gets the time to develop, his play speed and his physicality is exciting to me. And so if he gets the processing side of the game down, the mental side of the game down, I love everything else that he brings to the table as a run and chase type linebacker. So again, I don't know what type of impact we can expect from him this year, or if he's on the roster bubble or what the plan is for him. But I saw a fast and physical linebacker at Boston college and I'd want him on my team's, my team running down the field on punt and running down the field on kickoff and see what I can get out of him in terms of developing him, the mental side of things and you know what he can eventually turn into. So those are the two day three picks for the Packers that really stand out to me. That's really fun. And I know like we still are really looking for that sidekick to Kenny Clark. And so if Slayton can be that guy, that'd be great. And it's really fun to hear you talk about uh, McDuffie a little bit, just because he's a guy that, people have probably pushed past the most in this class. There's some other exciting, you know, flashy names. I think Slayton is one of them. I think Kylan Hill is getting a lot of attention here in the preseason, but McDuffie is someone that 
just people haven't gotten really excited about. So it's fun to hear you talk about the role that he could play. But uh, we do want to change directions here just a little bit and start talking about your Buffalo Bills, right? We uh, mentioned earlier in the show that the Packers and Bills do face off this weekend. And this is the time in the preseason and these weeks leading up to the season where we as fans, we're kind of obsessing over who's going to be wide receiver six. Who are the gunners on special teams? Is is there a controversy at punter or kicker? It's it's all this really fun stuff that goes into roster building as we get close to the season. But we're curious, uh, you as someone who follows the Bills so closely, who are some of the guys that you are going to be pu- pulling for this weekend as the Bills um, are just going through this last game and these guys are trying to secure a roster spot here in the preseason? The name that really stands out to me is Richard Wild Goose, cornerback from Wisconsin. So I'm sure there's a lot of uh, familiarity here from the listeners of the of a Packers podcast. But um, you know, the, the Bills at cornerback, I think, needed some young bodies in there to develop. And and Wild Goose is that type of guy with inside outside versatility. I think a lot of people were surprised that he came out for the draft. You know, with a relatively small resume at Wisconsin, but the Bills love to invest in players with untapped potential. And so I think that was something that was probably attractive to them about Wild Goose. And uh, I don't know that he'll make an impact this year, but I want to see him do enough against Green Bay that makes you comfortable rostering him on a deep team, right? Like there's not a lot of spots available. So if he could claim one of them and stick around to develop, I think the Bills in a year or so could have a versatile corner that excels on teams could potentially be a gunner for you. And the bill and look, we'll, we'll get into the weeds here. When you talk about gunner for the bills, they have a really good pair in Taiwan Jones and Saran Neal. Both of those guys are in contract years and the bills are paying Taiwan Jones $1.75 million to be the RB four in punt gunner. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's Saran Neal's in a contract year. And so if you can get the value play there in a, in a guy like Richard wild goose being able to step in for, either of those players. I mean, I think that's the kind of conversations you have to have because the bills are paying Josh Allen all the money now, right? So you need to find those opportunities to, to get economic players that can give you you steady contributions in, in, you know, at least special teams. So Rashad wild goose is the name that really stands out. And then I'm going to be glued to these young defensive ends that they have. Uh, The bills invested their first two, first two picks, on defensive ends, Gregory Rousseau in the first round, second round, Boogie Basham, and, and they've really played well. And then they have a player in Bam Johnson, who was a seventh-round pick a couple of years ago that's really coming on. F.A. Obata, who they signed uh, from the Carolina Panthers, who had you know, his best season um, last year, five-and-a-half sacks as part of that international pathway program. Has not played football for very long, but he has every physical skill you're looking for in an NFL defensive end, and you've seen him come along. So – Seeing Basham and, and Rousseau and uh, Johnson and, and A.J. Epinesa, who they took in the second round last year. There's a lot of young defensive ends. And so I'm anxious to see them against Green Bay. And I know that the Packers have also made a lot of investments in young offensive linemen. And so I think you're going to see some really good matchups on Saturday between those two uh, two units. Yeah, and you said you didn't want to get into the weeds with Wild Goose. So <laughs> that was very well done. Didn't even mean to have for that to happen. (laughs) But but since we're on the topic of the Bills, huge question here. Do you think Josh Allen would request a trade if Jake Kumaro was cut (laughs) without his permission? (sighs) 
how do you answer that? You know, <laughs> I, I, just being mindful of the audience. You know, I don't want to say the wrong thing. <laughs> um, you know what's funny about Jake Kumaro? Because this was a, a question that was asked to me. I do a um, an episode each week on Lockdown Bills called Herd Mentality, and people send in questions for me to answer. And so this past week, somebody asked me a question about Jake Kumaro and said, hey, the Packers GM's on the phone. He wants to acquire Jake Kumaro for you. Like, what are you going to try to get in exchange for him? And I, I thought to myself, you know, I looked into it. I was like, you know, Jake Kumaro's like th- almost 30 years old. And like, let's be honest, his impact in the NFL has been pretty much non-existent, right? Like, <laughs> we're, we're, the, he's way over-discussed for a guy that's had the career that he's had. Now, I think when you're talking bottom of the depth chart wide receiver, a guy with his size and demeanor to play special teams, and, you know, he does have some athleticism, there's a lot of intrigue. But, I mean, the guy's freaking nearly 30 years old. Like, his his career arc doesn't give you a lot of optimism for what he's going to be moving forward. And so with that in mind, like you, you, if, if the Packers GM's on the phone, you know, that Aaron Rodgers wants this done. And so you got to milk that a little bit. Right. So I said, look, <laughs> I go in hopeful for a fifth round pick because I, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of good examples of fifth round picks panning out and I'd probably take a six, but you got to push hard, right? Like you, you, you can't, you got to try to, it sees that obvious of some, of some desperate uh, Josh Allen likes Jake Kumaro. You know, I don't know if it's to the degree that Aaron Rodgers does. I think Kumaro is <laughs> going to make the bills roster. Um, but you know, I know that the question was actually a little bit sarcastic, but you know, I had to, I had to go on a full on uh, rant there about all the dynamics in play. I'm very interested to see if there's any like glances across the field from Aaron and Jake, oh, and maybe, maybe slow, slow motion action shots. And then uh, some music. Jake's catching a touchdown on Saturday. He, I promise you he's catching, he's catching the touchdown pass on Saturday. Aaron Rodgers is going to run down and meet him in the end zone. It's going <laughs> to be great. But can you imagine if, I mean, you said he's making this roster probably, but yeah. you imagine if Jake Kumaro gets cut, like, Aaron Rodgers is in Brian Gutekind's office, right? Like first thing Monday morning, right? Like this, <laughs> this is going to be good. No, but you guys need to keep him so we can avoid that drama. I, that think, would you, be... I think you're going to be in good shape there. Okay, good, good, good. We'll, we'll take it. Um, you've mentioned those guys that you're pulling for this weekend. Um, Andrew and I, we're not undercover scouts. Uh, you can trust us, Joe. No one listens to us, so we're <laughs> safe here. <laughs> but who are some guys who might not make this Bills roster because of the depth that their position or for whatever reason, uh, but that would probably be worth scooping up for another NFL team. Yeah, I, I go right to the offensive line. Uh, Brandon Bean, the Bills general manager, has done a really good job of making sure that he has experienced veterans <laughs> three deep at every position on the offensive line. And so uh, that's, again, the case this year. And the guy that really stands out is Jamil Douglas. Um he was, a, I think, a day two pick by the Miami Dolphins, and he started a few games in the NFL, played for the Titans, was a starter for them. And I think I think he, at a minimum, he's a versatile backup that can give you the ability to play center and guard. And so uh, I don't think he's going to make the Bills roster, but somebody's going to sign him to their active roster because we know across the league there's just a need for offensive line help. And then Joe Giles Harris at linebacker. Uh, I don't think the Bills are going to keep him, um, but he was a good player at Duke. I think he's shown that he could be a good special teams player so far in the NFL, looking back at his time with the Jaguars. And, you know, if a team's looking for a downhill guy, uh, runs uh, a lot of, uh, you know, three, four looks and just wants that plug between the tackles that gives them some value on special teams, I think Joe Giles Harris can definitely be that. 
So this draft class was really fun to me that the Bills had this year. They went defense early. You mentioned Rousseau and Basham. And then Northern Iowa's Spencer Brown, the offensive tackle, was a draft crush for a lot of Packers fans, right? Because we keep every year thinking yeah. that offensive tackle is going to be the early pick, and it just it doesn't happen. So, uh, But we're curious, are we going to see Spencer Brown on the field? Is he out there? And is he is he pushing for a starting job there? Man, Spencer Brown, he has impressed me a lot. Um, you can tell he's a little rough around the edges for sure. Like he's still learning how to block in the NFL. And that's to be expected considering Northern Iowa canceled their season last year. So he hadn't played in a year. But he's, I don't know if you guys follow RAS relative athletic score. He has a perfect yeah. 10. Like he has a perfect RAS yeah. score. He's an unreal athlete. He's the best athlete on the team. And week to week growth, watching him play against Detroit in week one and then and then week two against the Bears and seeing him go up against Khalil Mack and be able to handle him was really, really impressive. And so right now he's there as a run blocker. Uh, you can see him widening gaps and he's really good on the move and in space, which you would expect for a guy with unreal size and athleticism. The pass protection piece is what needs to come. And I think it will. Um, you saw more consistency, trusting his footwork and reaching his set points and being a little bit more, urgent to activate his hands. And, and like I said, he grew a lot week to week. Um, the concern is he's got a little bit of a knee injury. I don't know if he's going to play against green Bay. I hope he does because I think he needs the reps, but I don't think he's going to start this year. The bills have Deion Dawkins, obviously as their left tackle, the right tackles, Daryl Williams, who they just signed to a three-year extension had a really good year last year. I think he'll be the, the clear starter at right tackle, but I think in year one, Spencer Brown is your swing tackle back up to both spots. And then I can also see him, uh, serving as a utility blocker when they want to go with a big tight end and, and bring in a blocking tight end, if you will. He played eight-man football in high school, and he was a tight end. And so I think that's a very natural spot so the Bills can get some value out of him in year one. But, uh, yeah, Spencer Brown, player I'm excited about. I just don't know what type of impact he'll make this year. And speaking of draft prospects, I know it's – Super early. It's never too early for draft talk, though, uh, especially <laughs> when you have Joe on the show. And and so wanted to sort of pick your brain on some of next year's draft prospects. So are there any 2022 prospects to watch? May, maybe even a couple of rising wide receivers that Packers fans can get their hopes up for and then hearts broken when when the draft actually comes around. <laughs> Is it can I even mock them a wide receiver? Is that just like just not even necessary at this point? At this point, it seems irresponsible, but uh, you never know. I, you know. So so Gutekunst has basically given every indication that he was in love with Justin Jefferson uh, this year, Bateman. So it's maybe they just haven't gotten that opportunity to pull the trigger. Yeah. Well, if uh, we do talk a few wide receivers, I can think of several that would be great targets for the Green Bay Packers. And, and I, I have two different buckets that I want to give you here. If you think about the the Packers prototype, right? They like those big, physical, long uh, ball skills, you know, that type of receiver. The guys that really fit the bill are George Pickens from Georgia um, and Traylon Burks from Arkansas. Those are your X-type receivers. And I think they'd be, you know, we expect the Packers to pick towards the end of the first round. And I think that, that's probably an appropriate range for both of those players. Now, if they went with a more complimentary receiver that, you know, let's, let's assume they get Devontae Adams' contract figured out and he's back and they want to get a compliment to him that, you know, can do other things besides just win down the field with size and ball skills, 
Chris Olave from Ohio State is a awesome route runner that um, will separate for sure in the NFL. He's got legit four three speed. I think he's a every level threat. Uh, John Mechie from Alabama. I think you can take everything that I just said about Chris Olave, apply it to John Mechie, and maybe you have a more physical player. Uh, Garrett Wilson from Ohio State is a, a wonderful route runner that I trust will get open from the slot in the NFL. And he can probably play outside too. I don't know why I said the slot. He can play both spots, win at every level. And then one of my early draft crushes is John Dotson from Penn State. Um, if you guys liked Elijah Moore last year from Ole Miss, uh, second round pick of the Jets, Jahan Johnson or Jahan Dotson really gives you a lot of the same traits that made everyone interested in Elijah Moore. So th- those would be my wide receiver targets. I know there's other positions at stake. Uh, if they were to think about a tight end, uh, Jalen Weidermeyer from Texas A&M, J- uh, Jaleel Billingsley, Alabama. Those are two of my favorite tight ends in this this coming class. And then a little sleeper tight end for you, James Mitchell from Virginia Tech. I think he's an underrated player. So there's going to be some pass catching options for Green Bay in this coming draft. There's going to be players that emerge uh, that we're not even talking about right now. So those answers can be there. It's just a matter of if they're going to pick them. It's going to be really fun to see if they do. And I'm writing down the name Dodson. Uh, yeah, because good player, man. It's going to be fun. Elijah Moore was my guy this year. And I have a couple kids in the house. So when the Packers passed on Elijah Moore, I had to yell into a pillow because I was I was pretty upset about that. But just toss the Ohio State game on. But watch the Ohio State game. You can see the best of Chris Olave against Penn State and watch Jahan Dotson for Penn State against Ohio State. You'll get the full picture of both. Points. Oh, that's going to be fun. That's a, it's already fun. I've already been advocating for Olave as well. So it's going to be a fun draft. It always is. It doesn't matter. Every year we cycle around. And it's always a ton of fun. So thanks for getting us excited already for 2022. But, Joe, we really do appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Uh, Before we let you go, we do want you to tell us uh, where you can be found on Twitter, uh, what you guys have going on over at the Draft Network, or really anything else that you're working on right now. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, Thedraftnetwork.com. We're going to, you know, we're covering everything, everything that's football. We're we're covering it. And, uh, uh, that's would love it if anyone checked that out. And of course the draft dudes podcast where, uh, we, we do that every day. Uh, so wherever you listen to podcasts, you can check out draft dudes and we do a couple of live streams as well. So check out our YouTube channel, the draft network where you can get the draft dudes live streams. Absolutely. Make sure you follow Joe on Twitter. It's a lot of fun. Lots of good content. Uh, make sure you do stay connected to the Draft Network all year round. Uh, we're headed into college football season here, too. We talk a lot of NFL, but college football is here, and they are ready to help you over at the Draft Network. Start watching those 20, uh, 2022 prospects already. So, again, it's been absolutely awesome to have you on, Joe. Thanks for taking the time to join us on the Packaday Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. One really, really quick proposal. Can we have you back in January to preview a Packers Bills Super Bowl? Oh, man. Uh, I need that like I need oxygen. <laughs> yeah, if, if it's Bills Packers in the Super Bowl, the yeah, two small markets. I don't know if my tone will be the same. You know, I might, I might speak <laughs> a little differently, but <laughs> hey, that would, that would be all, be a lot all of fair. Uh, yeah. And, uh, some retribution for the two championship games. Absolutely. Right. But, right. Yeah. We're both in that same spot. And look, if, if the Packers are in the Super Bowl, that means Brady's not. And so th- that's, that's something to rejoice for Bills fans. Uh, nonetheless. 
But that is all the time we have for today. Thank you so much to Joe for joining us. This has been the Packer Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. You can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and read the podcast if you like what we're doing. You catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. And hey, why don't we go ahead and preview a regular season game when we get back together next week? Let's that do sound it. good? Yeah. <laughs> it's time. Uh, thanks for listening. And as always, remember... time inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply